0: We are going to continue today in our message series in the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians is a, it's a letter. It's written um, by the apostle Paul to this group of churches in the province of Galatia. And um, he's writing to counteract a, a, a drift in their, in their belief, a drift in their doctrine or their teaching where they had at first received very well the gospel of grace that were saved by grace through faith and had shifted to grace plus other things, and particularly having to be more Jewish to be a Christian, uh, Jewish food laws, circumcision, different things that kind of identified the Jewish people. And Paul is really right into counteract that. Last week, he got some pretty strong words. He, he really called them out. He says, you foolish, you Galatians, you dumb people! What are you, what are you thinking? And he just really kind of hammered them. Um, and so, in the previous few weeks, we've talked about, you know, last week we talked about what does it mean to live a gospel life. You know, has the gospel made a difference, impacted the the way you live? Uh, we we've we talked to previous week uh, about being crucified with Christ, that we've died to ourselves, and so we live the life of Christ. We talked about standing firm in grace and not not bowing to you know, these different pressures to shift and change our, our doctrinal convictions. And today we're going to talk about being rescued by grace. So we're going to pick it up at uh, chapter 3, verse 8 of Galatians. If you're able, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word as we look at Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 8. He's just unpacked what it meant to receive the Holy Spirit and uh, that we are the children of Abraham because of faith. And he says, what's more, verse 8, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Verse 10. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under His curse. For the Scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the Scriptures say, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it's through obeying the law that a person has life. Verse 13, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who was hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing He promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. We thank the Lord for His Word. Let's be seated together. When he talks to that, that little bit there at the end about curses, everyone who's hung on a tree. You can read back in Deuteronomy, there's instructions that when when uh, someone has to suffer the punishment of death for sins, and then they're literally put on a tree on display, that body has to be taken down, God says, so that the land will not be defiled. Uh, if you've been tracking in the R&R journal reading uh, with me, a few of you, and somebody and I were just talking about this before saying, I don't think I could have done it. When you read through, you know, Leviticus and Numbers and you read all these kind of rules and regulations, you think, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It's too much. Uh, it's too many rules, too much blood, too much all of that stuff. I, I couldn't keep up. And in a way, that's kind of the point of the law to say you couldn't, like you couldn't possibly keep every regulation to make yourself holy and righteous before God because of our, because of our sin. So the law does that for us. Now, it's a little, uh, tough this morning to, to say, okay, we're gonna talk about a scripture passage that is about curses. It's not the, exactly the most uplifting subject matter, right? I mean, we wanna talk about, at least I do, we wanna talk about God's love and His goodness and His blessings, but, but curses? Really? Are we gonna talk about a curse this morning? Uh, we are objects, recipients of God's kindness. That's, that's what we can say as believers in Jesus we've received the favor of God we want to pass that favor of God on to others we want others to know about that and we want to extend grace and kindness to every single person we meet regardless of of where they're at in their own journey right but God doesn't force his gifts onto anyone they can only be received by willing hearts you it's only something you can receive and so salvation is a free gift right but like any gift it's it's useless until you receive it and open it the greatest blessing of course is is the lord's rescue rescue from sin rescue from death rescue from judgment and every believer has a confidence that we've been rescued by grace Rescue is necessary. Here's, here's the thing. Rescue is necessary for the simple reason, if we're going to talk about curses, rescue is necessary because the curse is real. If you're taking notes this morning, you could write one, that one down. The curse is real. talked about that in verse 10. He says this verse 10, Those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. If you do not keep the law, if you're not perfect, you're cursed. The curse is real. Now, what curse are we talking about? Well, I think we could say it's, in a sense, comp- complex. It's It's death. It's suffering. It's separation from God. It's broken relationships. It's a it's a broken planet, a broken world, right? It's the spoiling of everything that God created to be good into something twisted and destructive. That's the curse. the The, the, the bad news is that, and and there is bad news. The bad news is that, uh, you know, not one of us is not guilty. Not one of us is not guilty. So whether your sin is something major like armed robbery, I didn't hear about any of you getting arrested for that this week, so good on you. Way to go. Just get through another seven days, it's just, you know. Or you might think, well, you know, my sin's pretty small, it's just a little jealousy, a little gossip, it's not that big a deal. Listen, whatever it is, we are all guilty of breaking God's holy law. A window that's, that's cracked is just as broken as a window that has a hole in it. A broken window is a broken window. And even if you you don't think really the law applies to you, well, I don't really believe in God so that law doesn't really apply to me. There's no law to be broken in my case. Listen, you intuitively know that some things are right and some things are wrong. You just know it. Even when it's culturally approved. For example, driving down Highway 99 at 85, 90 miles per hour is culturally acceptable. I don't know if you knew that. There are some people who could stand to just step on the pedal a little. If you're in front of me and you're not in the slow lane, (laughs) mm, right? Because I'm moving. But I might be going 85, but I know I really shouldn't be driving this fast. Like I know that. Intuitively, I know. I don't have to see the sign to know that I probably shouldn't be going this fast. You know when you've broken a law, even when it's an acceptable law to break. Uh, Am I the only one? I don't think so, because I've been on the 99. (laughs) It goes back to the Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden, God created the world, placed Adam and Eve in this incredible place called the Garden, or we call it the Garden of Eden. And uh, it was in that place, they had this sweet fellowship with God. They were to care for it, tend to it, and so on. And and that's the place where Adam and Eve sinned against God, and they lost The privilege and the innocence and the intimacy of their relationship with God. See, when a law is broken, justice has to be done. Think about this. When a law is broken, justice has to be done. God is a just God and he cannot simply overlook the rules, cannot simply overlook laws. He cannot just ignore wrongdoing because he's obligated to serve justice because he is a just God. Think about this. Even in our world, when justice is overlooked, don't you despair a little? Like when, you know, when someone is, is, you know, pretty clearly guilty of a crime, but they're, they're acquitted. Don't, doesn't something you just go, oh, that's not right. Right. When, 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 you know, there's been all these changes, and and when things that were serious suddenly aren't so serious anymore, and you're like, come on, that that ain't right, right? You know, in your heart, justice ought to be done. Genesis chapter three kind of ex- explains, a, you know, what justice looked like. When the first human couple violated the command of God, in that case, it was it was to not eat fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were tempted by the serpent, the serpent who said, hey, you can eat that fruit, you won't die. You're going to be just like God. You'll know everything just like God. That, by the way, is always the lie. The lie is always, you can be like God. You can make your own rules. You can determine your own future. You can determine your own origins. It's just, you'll be just like God. That's always the lie. And so then they they did that. They ate the fruit and, and after they sinned and then they hid in shame, God pronounced curses upon them. And I've got these on screen. I want to read these. Um, I don't know. You want to read them together? Let's do it. Okay, ready? Go. Then God said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain, you will give birth and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. That, that, by the way, is not a command to men. I'm quite serious right now. Men, that is not a command for you. That is just kind of the nature of how things go. Carrying on. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. Amen to that. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you are made from dust, and to dust you will return. Wow. It's a little depressing, isn't it? Some of you... How many of you were pulling weeds yesterday in your garden or our sod squad was pulling weeds? It just feels so futile, doesn't it? Because they're coming right back. You know that. You pull them and they will be there again. Unless you get on there with some pre-emergent, that will help. But yeah, right. That's that's the curse. And you feel it every day. Don't you? You feel it. You You even try your best. To, to do or to say the right thing and listen, I know all about this, trust me. You try to say the right thing and it just comes out sideways. Made some of you feel kind of uncomfortable last week and I'm sorry for catching you off guard like that. Listen, we, we want to do right. We feel it. Remember this guy? Like a splinter in your mind driving you mad. Morpheus. In response, we do one of two things. We ignore the reality of the curse and and just try to live our life, you know, apart from God, doing our own thing. Or we do our best to manage it, usually with good behavior. Trying our best, getting along, doing good things. Right. But neither of those Responses either ignoring the curse or managing it, neither of those satisfies the justice of God. They cannot satisfy the justice of God. So that's all the bad news. The curse is real. But here I have some good news for you. God is not only just, God is also merciful. Take a big sigh of relief right now. God is not only just, God is merciful. God wants to bless. God wants to bless. Now, I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel here, but God wants to bless. God said this to Abraham back all the way back into Genesis again, chapter 12, verse 3. God said this to, to Abraham. He said, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed because of you. We're blessed through you. So it's a promise that God made to Abraham. And he repeated that promise, by the way, that God would would bring blessing to all the world through Abraham, through his descendants. Paul quotes that same promise there in verses 8 and 9 when he says, God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. All who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of their faith in Christ. See, that's a twofold promise. If you will bless Israel, God will bless you i really believe that to be true we know from scripture that israel is still the the people of god that's not saying that every person who lives in israel believes in god trust me there's 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 lots of atheism and everything else but generally the observation has been that nations that are kind favorable toward israel are are blessed and experience favor of god and god has blessed the world through israel by the way will you just they're, they're, for a nation that's only 73 years old, they're leaders in medical technology, uh, information technology, cybersecurity, aggregation technology, irrigation technology. It's, it's incredible for a, for a baby nation like that, for the impact that they have globally. I believe it's the blessing of God to bless the world. And by the way, if you would like to visit Israel with me in a year from now, March 2022, I'd love to have you on board. We're going to have a great time. Right? The better part of the promise, what I really want to get to though, is that, that, that God blessed all nations through Israel when he gave us Jesus as one of Abraham's descendants. Right? We trust Christ to the glory of God, but also to the benefit of the world around us, to humankind. The rejection of faith in God is always our downfall. The rejection of, of Jesus is always our downfall, whether it's individually or whether it's corporately. I'm saying this because I want you to remember that God is a merciful God. Now, not everyone believes that God wants to be the God of blessing. If you've been around, for example, an abused dog, a a, a puppy or some kind of animal that's been abused, you'll notice it doesn't function very well. It's not well socialized. It it, it reacts negatively to authority. It's always in fight or flight mode, right? Like it's really hard to watch. Why? Because they've been conditioned to believe that the that the human, the authority figure, has, has only been out to harm them. So they cower or they snap. They don't function very well. They've been traumatized by mistrust and fear and, and unbelief. Honestly, the very same could be said of abused kids that are conditioned to fear an abusive parent. It's one of the most horrific things, in my opinion. And maybe, or I, I use that illustration to say, maybe you or someone that you know has been conditioned to believe that God's like that. That He's, that he's out to harm you. He's out to, to make you suffer. That he, that he wants to beat you down for every little mistake you make. That's your view of God. Not as a merciful God, but as a, as, as a harsh and abusive dad kind of God. But that's not God. That's some twisted misrepresentation of the one who created you. And knows you and loves you. God wants to bless you. That's his default posture. But again, you have to want what God wants to give. You have to have a receptive posture to God's blessing. He will never ever force you to trust him. Listen, I'm never upset by the person who's caught up in sin. We're all pretty good at sin. Trust me. You peel back the the layers of our own lives, you'd see all kinds of stuff. None of us has it together. I I think I've said that before and I will say it again. None of us has it together. We're all in process. In a sense, it's not someone's fault even when they're caught up in sin. What I'm upset with are the philosophy and the schemes and the strategies and the systems of the devil that capture people, that deceive them into believing that God cannot be trusted. That's really what's happening. The harsh truth is that every sin is heinous because it's a sin against God. It breaks God's rules, God's heart and God's ways. And and, and it makes a barrier between me and God. Every sin begins to rebuild that wall of separation. That's why Jesus came to knock that down. God's justice, as we said, means he can't ignore sin. But his mercy means he's found a way to deal with it. His justice means he can't ignore sin. His mercy means he's found a way to deal with it. So the choice then, as we've said, is mine. It's yours. Faith in myself to believe I can achieve God's justice or faith in Jesus for righteousness, right standing with God so that we can be blessed by God. So we talked about the curse. We've talked about blessing. What do we do with that? I'm here to deliver one more piece of good news. Jesus turns everything around. Jesus turns everything around. Verse 13. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. The story of the Bible is pretty simple that God created everything, including us, including you, including me. He, he did so to have a loving, personal relationship with him he intended for us god intended for us to to build families to care for the earth but adam's sin spoiled everything and it leaves us separated from god and in need of restoration not just us individually but even the very earth the very world the very ground we walk on suffers the curse environmental degradation is real in part because of sin God had placed Adam and Eve in, in in just the beauty and the security of the of the garden we call it the Garden of Eden but because they willfully disobeyed God they disregarded his instructions they were cast out of the garden now they actually were cast out for their own protection for their own safety but it means they lost that beautiful place and yet God had a plan for restoration the very life of Jesus in exchange for yours and mine. So that's the gospel. God creates everything. Sin causes us to fall. We're separated from God. God makes a way for us to be restored. That's the message. That's the message of uh, of grace. That's the Christian message for us. God is the creator. And the creator only makes what is good. God makes only What is good? The devil, on the other hand, is the destroyer. One of his names is Abaddon, which means destroyer. He's a, he's a copycat. He twists God's good work, right, into something evil. He's the deceiver. He, he, he speaks the language of lies. He, he's always seeking to lead us away from truth into darkness. From, you know, always doing so while appearing to do so with enlightenment. Right? As I said, that lie from the beginning. You can be like God. You can be like God. You don't have to believe all that stuff. I've got an easier, better way for you. The Bible teaches that sin entered the world through Adam and that we're all subject to death because of him and now we all sin. That's what we call our sin nature, that even from birth we are not unable, we are unable, we are unable to not sin. Let's put it that way it's just how it's just it's in our dna right as we saw already we are cursed because of adam but the bible here's so cool the bible calls jesus a new adam kind of an opposite adam a, 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 a kind of a rebirth and so adam brought death to the world jesus brought life jesus in the in the new testament is called the new adam uh, a pastor friend of mine kind of helped me think through this a little bit this week. And I just thought it was so cool to kind of think about this in, in a, again in a fresh way. That, you know, Adam's life began out of the Sabbath rest. I don't know if you knew that. He was created on day six. But his first day of life is the, is the Sabbath, the day of rest. But his curse was that of agonizing toil. Jesus endured the agonizing toil of the cross To bring us into eternal rest. Adam was created in and for wholeness. But his sin caused brokenness. Jesus was broken on the cross to bring our wholeness. Adam ate from the tree that brought us death. Jesus was nailed to the tree of death to bring us life. Adam's sin turned the garden into a wilderness. Jesus was crucified into the, in the wilderness to be resurrected in a garden of life. Everything that Adam destroyed, Jesus restored. Jesus died on that cross to rescue us from sin, to break the curse of death. And destruction even the environment the bible promises that even the environment experiences renewal when jesus is in charge second chronicles seven fourteen talks about at times terrible things are going to happen to your to your world to your environment famines you know plagues droughts all kinds of pestilence right pandemics And the promise is, if my people, God says, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. What a promise. If we God's people would humble ourselves before God, there would actually be environmental restoration. It's in our nature to avoid these kind of conversations. Let's be honest. I don't like talking about curses. We don't want to think about the consequences of sin because it's, it's terrifying. What if, what if there's no resolution to this? The result would be eternal and tormenting separation and suffering. Separation from God. And you might say, well, I don't want to believe in a God that would send anybody to hell. That just sounds unreasonable. Listen, I don't want to believe in that either, and I don't. I don't believe in a God that would send anyone to hell because scripture makes it plain that God gives us the choice of where we spend eternity. So he's offering a way to spend eternity in his presence. But it's up to you. We choose where to go. God does not force that on anyone. Paul calls it the way of faith. Jesus, I need rescue. And so I trust my life to you to make me a new person and lead me to follow you all the days of my life. That's the way of faith. It's not by being a good moral person, trying harder. If anything, the person who's new in Christ looks messy. As I said, as we all do, if you took the, peel the cover back, right? The renovation starts in the heart and works its way outward slowly, not the other way around. We never ever judge someone on externals because we don't know what's happening on the inside. Rather, we trust Jesus to, to deal with the hard stuff, And we love people right where they're at. We continue to invite them to put their full faith and trust in Jesus. See, by God's grace through faith, you can be a new creation in Christ. If you've already put your faith in Jesus, you are a new creation in Christ. And you might feel like, well, I'm a pretty old new creation in Christ because I've been walking with Jesus a lot of years. Every day, God's mercy is new. So every day, you are a new creation in Christ. Think about this. Every day, the the call and invitation to follow Jesus hits the refresh button. F5 on your keyboard. Refresh. Every day. It's the promise. The promise of the curse of sin and death defeated. The invitation is to let Jesus meet you right where you're at. Today, I'm going to turn your attention to the communion elements and. I'll invite the worship team after the after we do this, you guys. Again, just a, a simple little. A little bit of juice in a cup, a little bit of grape juice, a little bit of wafer on the top. Again, push the tab downward and the clear cellophane is going to pop free. This came out of the, the last meal that Jesus had with his followers. The supper together was a Passover meal. And after they'd eaten, Jesus passed the bread and he passed the cup. And you know what he said? he said? He said, you should do this in remembrance of what? Remembrance of me. Jesus never said, do this to remember your sin. Jesus didn't say, do this just to remember what an awful wretch you are. Jesus said, do this to remember me. When we go to the communion table, when we, and I know under COVID, it's, it's just a different way of doing this, but when we, when we, when we remember the Lord's death and resurrection, we're not doing this to celebrate sin. We're doing this to celebrate the life of Jesus and his sacrifice for us. Do this to remember me, Jesus says. That's why you do this with joy. The apostle Paul said it this way, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it and he broke it in pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Let's pause. Jesus, we thank you for the, this little wafer that reminds us of your body that was horribly beaten and broken. For our restoration. Thank you. And so we take this in remembrance of you. And so as you open that up, friends online, I apologize. I forgot to remind you early enough, but you may be able to, to find something at hand. Bread, crackers, what you can. And, and remember, take communion with us this morning, okay? Just take this wafer and, and I like to just give it a snap to remind me of the broken body of Jesus. He said, do this to... Paul carries on and he says, in the same way, Jesus took the cup of wine after supper and and he said this, this cup is the new covenant, the new agreement, the new arrangement between God and His people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. You know what that agreement was? The agreement was you're no longer obligated to pursue keeping the rules and regulations of the law to be right with god but the new the the new agreement the new covenant is that you're made right with god you're realigned with god by your faith in jesus because of the blood every time there was a covenant it had to be confirmed with blood and jesus own blood the perfect sacrifice confirms once for all time what god has done and jesus said do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And so church, we just thank the Lord for this juice. Jesus, I thank you for this little juice, this grape juice that reminds us of the wine that you shared with your, your followers as a, as a remembrance of the covenant that you were making, the new agreement. We thank you for what this represents for us, that we can be made right because of our faith and your grace. Church, invite you to Peel that foil top back carefully and take the juice together in remembrance of Jesus. Go ahead, worship team, if you can join me. Jesus said, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Guess what? Today, the return of Jesus is one day closer than yesterday. Today, the return of Jesus is one day closer than yesterday. I don't know what kind of week you had. Some of you had a rough week. I got a, I got a bill in the mail yesterday from county tax assessor. They made a mistake. I don't want an extra 1900 bucks. Like, oh Lord, seriously? Could you come back before April 10th? Every day, it's, we're one day closer. Remember being a kid at Christmas? You counted down the days. We don't know what day Jesus is coming back. It might be in your lifetime, it might be, it might be in your kid's lifetime, it might be tomorrow, but we know we are rapidly approaching the return of Jesus. Are you ready? Is your heart ready? Is your trust in Jesus? Are you receiving the blessing of God's grace in your life? Have you allowed yourself to be rescued from the curse by trusting in Jesus? He loves you so much that he gave his body and his blood for you and for me. Nothing else really matters. Nothing else matters. So Jesus, we don't worship your blood, we worship you, but we thank you for your blood and all that it represents. And Lord, we don't see it as something gruesome. We see it as something beautiful because it cleanses and and purifies us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, for any friend today that's watching or listening and, and not sure where they stand with you, God, would you meet them right now, right today at their point of need, that they would come to that place of surrender, of yielding to you, say, yes, Jesus, I'm yours. Make us ready for your return. And Lord, help us to make as as many of our friends ready as well. We thank you for your presence here. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.